You know, I remember um, when I was young, and actually I'm, I guess I'm still young, uh, but when I was a whole lot younger, I used to race cars. And so I used to get all sorts of cars and try to soup them up. I would skip class. You know, this is when I lived in Michigan and drive super fast. And there was this car that I had. It was a, um, a Talon all-wheel drive turbo. Somebody that knows about cars knows that that's pretty dope. And, you know, back in the day, uh, I think it was, what, maybe like, what, like, 14 years ago or something that I had that car. And it was insane, the stuff that I used to do 14, 15 years ago. And we souped them up, and we would go on the highway, and I'd purposely pull up to people and just blow by them, you know, just for the sake of it and for the fun of it. Had so much fun doing that. Man's were on a Fast and the Furious tip back then, you know, trying not to die, but was, you know, trying to have a good time in the same, uh, in the same manner. And so the thing was that, you know, I'll never forget, there was this one time, man, I pulled up to this guy as I was driving. And you know when you pull up to a car that looks like a hoopty? What's a hoopty? Oh, I forgot. I'm not in America anymore. Uh, a lemon? I don't know. I guess what would you guys say? Uh, it was a car that, was bre- that looked like it gone break down. Maybe that. Maybe you'll understand that. You know, and it was up. I pulled up beside it and I'm driving and I'm going and I was getting ready. Really getting ready. To pass this guy. You know how we do. So I, I was keep, I was there. You know, you're in the fifth gear. And then all you do is just drop the gear. That's all you do. You just drop the gear, drop to fourth, and it jumps. Especially an all-wheel drive car, and it's already moving. Just jumps, and you're just gone, you know. So I'm there, and I'm, I'm baiting him in, and I'm getting ready. I'm just, man's are just about to just smoke his tail, fam. You know. And so I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Looking at this car, because it has dents and all this stuff. And I don't know what happened. But he pulled some Knight Rider stuff in there, guy. Like, he dropped his gear and I dropped mine. And he just said, gone. I was left in the dust. I'm trying. I'm trying to catch up. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to that place where you're trying to race somebody. Maybe you did that in high school. Some of y'all still do it today, you know. But I was trying to catch him. And eventually it was just like, done. I just stopped. You know, I almost just pulled over on the highway because I just felt so embarrassed. But the thing is that that type of car is what you call a sleeper. Can I just set this thing up this morning? Because on the outside church, it might have looked like that car did not have the capability of keeping up with me because of what I had on the outside and what I thought I had on the inside. And I thought that what was on my inside was greater than what was on his inside. But the fact is that what, even though my outside was shinier, what he had on the inside was greater. Can I talk to about five people this morning? Because I want to set this thing up as we're talking about Game of Thrones. A throne is representative of authority. Kings and queens sit on thrones. Come on, somebody. Judges sit on high chairs and thrones and the fact is that they do so because they position themselves, they have the authority to judge. The author- they have the authority to execute judgment and to declare things and to change the trajectory of what happens in a, uh, in a, in a sphere, in a place or in a person's life. They have the ability and the uh, authority to be able to declare things over people's lives. To determine what happens and what doesn't happen in many cases. And I want for the next three weeks to look at this concept of judgment. 
Because, you know, there are many of us who believe and we talk about, you know, only God can judge me, right? And, you know, I don't know if that's actually something that you should be, like, boasting about. Like, a lot of times people talk about, say that as if that's, like, a good thing. Like, if you stand before God, that it's going to be an easier judgment than when you stand before people. Come on, somebody. Like, only God can judge me. Like, that's a good thing, you know? And so I think there's some things that we ought to consider as it pertains to judgment. There are things that we need to consider as it pertains to our judgment. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus talks about here in the passage, he says, judge not that you not uh, that you be not judged in Matthew seven, verse one. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the fact of the matter is that many people, when they read this, they think to themselves and they say, Jesus says, don't judge. Well, the fact is, so, so then every, all judgment that happens uh, by a human being, that it's something that is not supposed to happen. But the fact is, if I can tell you this, if this is the case, if humans are not supposed to judge in any sort of a manner, the fact of the matter is that all judges would be in error. If humans were not supposed to judge in any sort of a manner, then pedophiles that are convicted should still be running the streets. Can I get a witness? Axe murderers and serial killers, they should still be out there running around even after they have been seen as convicted killers. And so is Jesus truly declaring that uh, judgment should not take place? That judgment should not take place from human beings that we are not to judge. Is that the message? Is that the overall message? Is that the big picture that he is talking about when he makes this statement in Matthew chapter 7? This is why it's important for us to read things in context. Everybody say context. And it's important for us to understand the big picture and the tenor of scripture as opposed to being in a place where we come to conclusions based on one passage. Or words taken out of context. The fact is that realize if we look scripturally that judges actually ruled the people of God for about 450 years. There's a book in the Old Testament called Judges. Everybody say Judges. And so there were judges. In fact, there were not always kings. Can I teach for 10 seconds? The people of God actually asked God for kings. Prior to kings, there were judges. And judges were the way that God ruled the people of God. And so this is something that is to be taken uh, into account. Acts chapter 13, verse 20, you can write it down, check it out later. We find therein that there is a description of how judges that they were given to the people of God for about 450 years. But not only this, somebody say there's more. We are actually, we are uh, commanded people who operate, especially in the context of prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this is a passage that, you know, is especially speaking to the church at Corinth who was zealous for spiritual gifts like many of our churches today. In fact, I think a lot of charismatic churches that for those who are wondering what that means, it means churches that believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They actually need to go and revisit this chapter. Because there's a lot of things that deal with order in this passage that a lot of us have abandoned. Come on, somebody. 
And we do things because we feel good and because it sounds good and because of all of this. But we've gone away from the admonishment of Scripture. And so here in, in the passage of Scripture, talking again about judgment and human judgment, in, 14, in, our, in chapter 14, verse 29, the Bible declares, let two or three prophets speak. So uh, the, the gift of prophecy, the manifestation of prophecy was still active in the New Testament church at that time. And is still active in the body of Christ today. But he, and so he's declaring, he's saying, in order, let two or three prophets speak. But then he goes on and he says, uh, and let the others weigh what is said. Somebody say, weigh what is said. Let the others weigh what is said. The word there for weigh is diacrino. Everybody say diaki, diacrino. Diacrino, it's spelled D-I-A-K-R-I-N-O, and that's Greek. That's the Greek word that it was originally wrote, written in, and it's encouraging that when people prophesy, to prophesy means to declare the word of God supernaturally. So if God puts something on someone's heart to declare it supernaturally, that what's supposed to transpire is that that two or three are to speak or that there's someone that's supposed to speak, and then that word that was declared is supposed to be weighed or diacrino. And what that means is to make a distinction, to doubt it, to pass judgment, to dispute it. In other words, to check and see if what is being said actually is in line with Scripture. Can I tell you that, uh, that today we are in a, in a culture that many of us, we show up in environments where as long as people are saying Jesus and thus saith the Lord, come on somebody, that we just take it and we have gone to the place where we no longer weigh what is being said. As I'm talking to you now, you should be weighing what I'm saying. You should be, I don't want you to just blindly accept what's being said. We need to get back to the place where we're like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, where the Bible says that when the disciples came and they told them stuff and they talked to them about what the Bible said, that they decided, they stayed up day and night and searched the scriptures to determine if what was being taught to them lined up with the Bible. And so he's making it clear here in the passage. He's saying that diacrino is supposed to happen, that there's supposed to be a distinction. There's supposed to be a weighing of what is declared, a weighing, a checking, a doubting. You know, you have to actually check. It's okay. See, people try to intimidate you today and make you feel like if you question what's being presented to you, then are you there? You have no right to test the man of God. You know, they can't say man of God it has to be the man of God because that makes you sound more deep. You know, you have no right to test what is. What are you talking about? That's not Bible. And so here we talk about judging prophecy. Not only this, if men are not to judge, if women are not to judge, what about the manifestation of discernment? Everybody say discernment. Discernment is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that we find in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And, and, uh, and that word there is diakrisis. So it's similar, diakrisis in the Greek. Somebody say diakrisis. You're learning Greek today. And what it means here, what it means here is to distinguish, to dispute, or to pass judgment. The Holy Spirit 
comes to us and empowers us to distinguish between spirits, to be able to come into environments or to enter into prayer and to be able to determine and distinguish spiritually what's happening in the atmosphere. You have to be able to be to a place where we submit to the Holy Spirit and where he manifests through us, where we can distinguish and discern what is happening. This is why we don't have to all, we're not to be to a place where we're guessing. You know, in fact, you know, you ever been to a place where you're talking to somebody and you know something's just off? And you're like, you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and you're trying so hard and you're like, oh, they must just be, you know, and you just know that something's off. There's just a check. Oftentimes that's discernment because the Holy Spirit is giving you the ability to distinguish between what's happening. When you can talk to somebody, even in the context of ministry, and be able, as you're ministering to them, or sitting next to someone on a bus, maybe, and you're in that position, and you can just sense that there's, you know, I don't know if you've been there, maybe you have, you just distinguish that, that person is going to feel like killing themselves. Or you just feel depression, or a weight, or a heaviness, or you might walk into your child's room, come on, and you've been praying for them, and, and you feel that, and you're like, oh no, you know, maybe we just need to open the blinds. No, oftentimes this is because God gives us the, the ability to judge and to determine what is happening by the power of His Spirit. Are you still with me? Okay. So when we're talking about when we're talking about uh, people judging and having the ability to do so, we need to put this thing in context. Because what is Jesus saying? Jesus also says in John chapter 7, verse 24, we find here, I'm just sending this thing up, we find that Jesus is in a position where he healed a man on what is known as the Sabbath day. Everybody say Sabbath. And Sabbath was a, fr- a rest, a rest system. That was put in place for the people of God prior to Jesus coming. That they would be able to stop and acknowledge God as creator. But not only would they acknowledge him as creator. But it pointed them forward to the rest. The eternal rest. That would come in Jesus when we would give our lives to him. So it pointed them. So it would cease when we got to Christ. Or when Jesus showed up. Because Jesus was meant to be an eternal rest, the Sabbath to the, those in the Old Testament or when, they, when God first interacted with mankind, it was meant to be temporary and point them to something that was permanent. That would come in Christ. This is why Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so he was walking around consistently doing things to pull people away from the system that they had. And point them to himself. It was him that those things pointed to. Are you still with me? And so what happens in John chapter 5. Is Jesus meets a guy. Who needs healing. And he ends up healing this individual. And makes him every whit whole. He completely changes his life. He's bound for years. And Jesus makes him well. And guess what? There's always haters. Haters that are not willing to see the miracle that's happened in your life. But they're more focused on judging, come on, what you did or didn't do in order for the miracle to take place. And so they missed the miracle and the Pharisees, they started judging Jesus, come on, because, uh, because they said he was breaking the Sabbath. Because he, who the Sabbath pointed to, was doing something to point people to himself. 
And so they were judging him and saying, you know what? You are saying that you're equal with God and we want to kill you because ultimately you are a Sabbath breaker. Not realizing that the thing, the person who the Sabbath pointed to was there and was doing a work of healing that was further proving that he was who the Sabbath was pointing to. Are you with me? And so they're judging him and they're missing the miracle. And at the end of the day, this is why Jesus then declares to them in John chapter 7 verse 24. He's like, if y'all are going to judge, judge with righteous judgment. Judge rightly. Look at a thing and be able, if you're going to make a judgment, do so in a way that is in line with scripture. Do so in a way that is in line with that which is right. And not that which you think is right or what seems to be right. Come on, are you still with me this morning? And so this is now we find, so Jesus is declaring and making clear if there is judgment that is taking place. So he's clearly, as I said, and as I've been trying to paint this picture, is not against human judgment. But I believe that there are, that if we are going to judge, that we have to do so in a way that is righteous, in a way that is godly. And so he tells us some things in pertain, as it pertains to judgment. The human throne, the, when we put ourselves in a place where we cast judgment. He puts some things out there that I believe are important for us to understand. And we can find in our passage today. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 through 5. Just a few more things for you to, to grasp here. He says, judge not. That you be not judged or unless you're going to be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on and says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and you're missing the log in your own eye? Go and take the log out of your eye and then you go ahead and then you'll be able to see clearly to be able to deal with what's happening in your brother's eye. Can I give you point number one? Point number one, here we go. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't judge hypocritically and use humility. Here we go. Don't judge hypocritically and use humility. What do I mean by this? He's making it clear. He's not as much saying don't judge as he is saying don't judge with him in a position of hypocrisy. Don't judge people when you're dealing with the same thing that you're judging them about. And oftentimes, the fact of the matter is, the reason why it's easy for us to judge people is because we don't realize that we actually have stuff going on in our own lives. And so we can join them. We we think that we can judge them because of their addiction, maybe to a substance, but we're addicted to, uh, to pornography. Or we may be in a position where we, where we, where we talk about them and their anger because they, they cuss people out as they're driving down the street and you yell at your wife every day. Can I talk to somebody this morning? And so the fact is, he's saying, don't judge unless you understand that you are in a position that there may be things in your life that can also be judged. And so before you judge someone else, In a hypocritical place, make sure that whatever's happening in your eye is taken care of so that you can clearly talk about what's happening in somebody else's eye. Are you with me? And so also in a position of humility, because even if, and I don't know about you, but if you be real with yourself and if we would be real with ourselves, the fact is that you may not be dealing with something right now, but keep on living a little. 
And this is why I say that we're to be in a position of not only, not only are we not to judge hypocritically, but also in a position of humility. Knowing that, that even if it's not you today, it can be you tomorrow. So he says, take care of what's happening in your eye so that you can then go on and, uh, and, and deal with other people without being in a place of hypocrisy. But not only this, he goes on and he also says, he says in verse, uh, in verse 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So point number two, everybody say number two. Not only are we not to judge hypocritically and use humility, we ought to be to the place where, you know, uh, where we don't give what we can't take. Don't give or don't dish what you can't take. You know, it's so funny. I just thinking about hypocrisy. I remember my kids, <laughs> Gabe and Noah. That's how you know you, you, you live in a pastor's home. Because my kids, they always, Gabe and Noah, they'll, <laughs> when they learned about the word hypocrite, you know, they'll run up to us. And they still do it to this day. They'll run up and be like, if, if Gabriel is trying to tell on Noah for something that he did, but, you know, um, but Gabriel was actually the one who started it or who did something, Noah would be like, Dad, Gabriel is hypocriting. <laughs> it's so funny. And we just always die laughing because, you know, they've learned what that means. And they, you know, they don't want, he's, he doesn't think it's fair for Noah to be able or for Gabriel to be able to be complaining and telling on Noah when he was doing the same thing. Are you with me? So don't give, number two, what you can't take. Don't give what you can't take. You know, like those kids that they're the ones that they like to go and bully everyone. And then, but then they get mad when they get bullied. You know, they want to go and make fun of people. And then when somebody makes fun of them, then they run off crying. It's like, if you can't take it, don't give it. So if you are going to judge, make sure that the judgment that you're using is something that if somebody was to do that to you, then you'll be straight with it. Are you still with me? In fact, you know, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus talks about judging in that. Uh, and this is a passage that we usually use as it pertains to giving. Keep your finger in Matthew chapter, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Luke chapter 6. After Jesus talks about some things, he says, he says in 38, uh, give. And it, well, actually, I'll start at 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. So he says after all of those things. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So Jesus is always telling people and making it clear as it pertains to certain things. Right now we were looking at that. We usually look at that passage and think about giving finances. But he talks about judgment. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about all of this stuff in there. And he says the same measure that you give is going to be given back to you, pressed down shaken together and running over are you hearing me and so he's saying make sure that you understand that if you are going to judge somebody if you're harboring unforgiveness all of these things that you and i do that we have to be sure that we have to make sure that if we're dishing it that we can take it don't dish what you can't take but not only this moving onward moving onward so going back to matthew chapter 7 you know, Jesus goes on in verse, and you don't have to turn here, write this down, uh, verse 15 through 20, the summary of what Jesus goes on and says there is a tree is known by its fruit. 
Somebody say a tree is known by its fruit. In other words, what he's making clear is that, you know, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, then more than likely it's a duck. A tree is known by its fruit. There are a lot of people who talk. As my dad would say, people talk sweet cream and live skim milk. Because the fact is, it doesn't matter what you say as much as what you do. Because you can say and talk about and say you're an orange tree till you're blue in the face. But if you're producing mangoes, I probably should have said lemons because that's worse than, you know, anyway. Then the tree is known by its fruit. And so he makes it clear that as it pertains to, and again, he's talking about judgment and all of these things in the passage. He talks about some other amazing things in there. But he goes on and he says, a tree is known by its fruit, so we have to look out for these things. What is the fruit that people are bearing? And that should help us as it pertains to making a distinction and determining what it is that, uh, who it is that people are or what position they are in. But not only this, he then goes on in the next passage, and it sounds kind of confusing because then he goes on and says in verse 20, not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day speaking about the day when he comes which we're going to talk about that uh, over these next two weeks on the days that he comes he says many will say uh, to me lord did we not prophesy in your name did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Can I give you point number three? Point number three, things aren't always as they seem. Things aren't always as they seem. It's very basic, but I want you to grab this. Because note this, in the passage before, in this little passage where he says a tree is known by its fruit, it makes you think that you can be in a position where everything that walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, that it is a duck. But then he goes on and he says that there are people who actually are doing things that we would consider godly. There are people who are bearing fruit that would look like they are godly. They're prophesying and they're casting out devils in the name of Jesus. You thought everybody that casts out devils is saved. You thought that because people prophesied it, that means that they're headed for heaven. You think that because people know how to shut about a Honda and Tamalela Bota, that that means that they're going to heaven with, with, with you know, with Cupid draws on. But no, that's not the way it works. Everything is not always as it seems. And we need to understand this as, we per- as it pertains to looking at judgment. So if you are going to judge, you need to get understanding balance. As I started, I started with a story and I was telling you about how I was driving and how I pulled up to this car. And usually when I pull up to a car that looks like that, I could blow it out the water. But because, but, but I, I, even though that's usually the case, in this case, it was different. Because this car was a sleeper. And so we have to be careful as it pertains to the judgment. When we jump on our throne and we judge, we need to be careful because things are not always as they seem. The fact of the matter is that sometimes you might just be catching me in my off season. 
You might just be looking at me, come on somebody, in a time when I might just be on the bench because Jesus might have just pushed pause in my life. And so you don't see a lot of flagrance and you don't see a lot of demonstration. And so you may look and think, oh, that person ain't called. That person is not someone who God is moving through because of the fact that they are looking like they're broke down, busted and disgusted. But I wonder if it's about seven people in here this morning that understand that things are not always what they seem. And so we need to get to the place where you understand, uh, where we understand when it pertains to judgment. If you are going to judge, that you need to understand this. It's not, don't just look at people. You know how people always think that everybody is mad at them? You walking by somebody and you looking at them and they don't wait and you waved and they didn't wave. And so immediately you think, oh, this person must be mad at me. Or you hold a grudge or you go start spreading gossip. This person, this person doesn't like me. Pastor Andrew don't like me because he didn't wave at me and I waved at him. Or because I liked his picture on Facebook and he didn't like mine. Petty as all get out. And oftentimes it has nothing to do with you. Come on somebody. Most of the people you think have beef with you don't e- didn't even think about you for the last three weeks. And you catching feelings and you getting mad and they're not even thinking. Instead of going up to them and saying, hey, you have something wrong with me. You're going to walk around and start spreading gossip and start talking about how to. You don't even know what that person is dealing with. Come on, somebody. Counting folk out, many of us, because of the way that they look. But you don't realize that there's a huge engine under that hood. Come on, somebody. And it's just waiting for somebody to pull up in pride and just show up looking like they can just do the thing. Come on, somebody. And it's usually the ones that look the part that God is not even looking to use. Come on. He's looking for a humble heart. He's looking for somebody that's willing. And you might not have it together on the outside. You might not have all the girls or the dudes flocking after you. But there's power under the hood. Come on. Come here, David. I just want to talk about him. Can I talk about him for a moment? Because the Bible makes it clear. The Bible makes it clear uh, that as the man of God was coming uh, to determine who it was that was going to be the king, the next king over the people of God, that uh, the fact is that the the man of God, that their dad, their father, Jesse, that Jesse brought out all of the sons that looked the part. Come on, somebody. They brought out, he brought out all of the sons that he thought would be kingly and he thought would be the ones that were the ones that God would have picked in order to be the next king. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that even though he had brought out all of these sons, uh, that the oil that was significant, uh, signified the Holy Spirit uh, upon the, the next king that would come, it would not pour on any of those good looking sons. And so Samuel ends up saying, is there another son? Come on, I came to preach to about seven people that might have been in the backyard when everybody was getting picked. Can I talk about it? And people judged you and counted you out because you didn't look the part, because you didn't know all of the Bible from A to Z. Come on, somebody. And they looked at you while you and they counted you out because of where you were. And so David is in the back. Can I fix it? And he says, I have one, he's in the back and he brings it out and it turns out that David is the one, David is the one uh, that is called, that is called to be the next king. And Samuel declares something, it's declared in the passage, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 17, verse 7 rather, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Come on somebody. 
Who have you counted out because of the outward appearance? Come on. Who have you judged because of the way they look on the outside? Who have you disqualified? And who have you said because they, because of what they did or because of how you may have per, you may be perceiving their situation that you have counted them out, not realizing that the hand of God is actually upon their life and that they have a call of God to be used for His glory? I came to preach to about seven people this morning that need to understand that the fact is that God can use people that we disqualify and so we have to be careful how it is that we judge and as we look if you will in first chapter in first Samuel chapter 17 the Bible says you know as they were ramping up they were ramping up they were ramping up to go and to fight they were going to fight the uh the Goliath because Goliath uh was a giant who was threatening and so many of you even if you haven't been in church i'm sure you've heard of david and goliath and that whole big fight where they are in a position where where this big giant was threatening the people of god threatening to turn them into dust and the bible makes it clear that the people of god were preparing to go and fight against this big giant and the Bible says, look at David, look at David in First Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. And also take these ten cheeses to the commander of the thousand." See if your brothers are well and bring them a token. So he sent his brothers. Jesse sent David to take bun and cheese for his brothers. Come on, somebody. He sent him as a bottle boy. Who'd I come to preach to? So this man, this little boy, David, he stopped by Nices on the way and he picked up some bun and cheese and then he jumped on his scooter and rode all the way down because he was just positioned to be a bottle boy. Who'd I talk to this morning? Because he didn't look like somebody that was in the position to be able to take down this giant. So he took the bun and cheese to his brothers who were in the position and looked the part. Come on, somebody. But was it his brothers that ended up smiting a Goliath in his forehead? Was it his brothers, the ones that looked the part, that ended up cutting off the head of the giant? No, it was the bottle boy that God decided to use. Come on, somebody. And this little boy, David, this David. This boy David ends up being the one to strike down the giant because man looks on the outward appearance and judges completely based on this but God looks on the heart and man I'm here to talk to a bottle boy or a bottle girl in here today I'm here to talk to somebody that feels like you've just been in a position in your life where you have been to the place where you have been overlooked and where you've just been a place where you've been serving others which is fantastic but you've been feeling disgusted qualified i want to talk to someone who is in a place that does not feel confident and feels insecure because of how people what people have been saying to you and the judgment that has been passed on you i'm here to tell you baby that even if you're a bottle boy that that doesn't mean that god doesn't have a call for your life and i'm here to tell somebody that's been disqualifying folk because they don't fit the part or look how you think that they should look that things are not always as they seem 
when Jesus showed up on this earth, he was born in a manger. Can I talk about the gospel today? When Jesus showed up as a king and he was in a position where he was coming to save mankind from our sins, he showed up in a manger. Many people disqualified him and said he can't be the king because he was born in a horse's feeding trough. What type of king would be born in that sort of a place? There wasn't even a place for him in an inn. Who can I talk to this morning? Then he grows up in a place called Nazareth and the Bible makes it clear can anything good come out of Nazareth who am I talking to can anything good come out of Malvern can anything good come out of downtown Toronto can anything good come out of Jamaica can any can I talk to somebody this morning that may be in a position where you're feeling disqualified and furthermore what type of king allows people to whoop him in the back with a kind of nine tails what type of king allows allows and puts himself in a position where a 72 thorn uh, crown is pressed in his head what type of king allows the enemy to pierce him in his heart sack to wear blood and water come gushing out come on it looked like he was the underdog it looked like he was the minority it looked like he was disqualified but the bible makes it clear that even though this king died and this king died at the hands of his oppressors at the people at the hands of the people who mocked him and spat in his face come on somebody that the bible says that even though this was the case that he went to rent a tomb and borrowed a tomb because he wasn't gonna stay there and on the third day because even though he looked like he was the underdog and even though he looked like he was a failure on the third day bright and early somebody ought to get excited about the fact that he got up with all power in his hands in fact look at somebody and tell them neighbor oh neighbor doesn't matter what it looks like things aren't always what they seem now give God some praise in this place if you believe the best is yet to come for you and for your loved ones and 